You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast, episode number 115. I'm Hamish Carton and I'm not feeling much pressure being back in the hosting seat today because we are doing this show following two of the worst episodes ever in the history of Burst Boss. So hopefully we can restore a bit of credibility after two disappointing shows but also a, a weekend lacking in incidents. What will we chat about today, Johnny Clark? Um, Stenhouse Muir, I think, have given us plenty to talk about, probably for an uh, an entire show. Um, they made up for, in fact, there's more goals. Stenhouse Muir scored more goals than the entire top flight on Saturday. Mm, that is incredible. True. That very just sums true. up really how poor the top mm. flight was. But luckily, we've got plenty of lower league action to talk about. Yeah, um, I've also got for some reason Connor Park. Connor, why are you here? To decide for a day out. <laughs> Is that what you do? You just kind of go about and <coughs> fancy a wee trip down to here now and again to record a podcast? Yep. Cool. Connor could turn up in your local studio tomorrow. And Callum Fisher as well. It's happening. What's happening? I believe you had a, a law exam today, Callum. How did that <laughs> one go? Reset, mate. How did that one go? <coughs> it was alright, better than I expected, but that that's a lesson for any of our younger listeners out there. Always revise first time because a reset is just not worth the hassle. Yes, fail to prepare, prepare to fail, as the old the old uh, saying goes. Um, By who? I don't know who, who originally said it. I assume it's just one of those ones that <sighs> someone just came up with one day and it's kind of stuck. Um, yeah, so... We've, we've not got a hell of a lot to chat about. Before we go on to the games, I want to quickly start by chatting about this kind of competition, if you want to call it that. We've got running at the moment. We're, we're aiming to find the most iconic match in Scottish football in the 21st century. If you've been following us on social media over the last week or so, you'll see on Facebook and Twitter that we have been running this, this competition. We had 50 games at the start, it's been narrowed down to 12. Um, some good ones chalked off on that 38 that lost out and some not so good ones have somehow made it into the final 12. However, anyway, voting closes tonight, Monday um, at 11 o'clock. So if it is Monday, you're listening to this and it's not yet 11 o'clock, hence why I'm saying it at the start of the podcast, vote. Go online, burstballpodcast.net. You can, it's hard to miss where it is, really. Um, it's called, I think it's called Final, looking for the most iconic game, and vote for up to three games, actually. And we'll be revealing the, the, the winners, the final 12, in descending order, in December, um, from, from actually from tomorrow onwards. Um, Lewis Kemp may have an article coming out tomorrow, but we can't quite reveal what game it is yet. But it's looking very certain that a certain match may be near the bottom of the pecking order. Do you have a, a favourite of that final 12, Connor? Not really, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> that's quite disappointing, I know. Um, but, no, I haven't actually voted yet. I need to have a look later on. Um, so, I think it's hard to pick one specifically, especially when I think everybody's going to be slightly biased if, you, if one of you, if, if your own team is in that, mm. which I know mine isn't. But um, if you do, it's hard to kind of... You're always going to vote for your own one because you're always going to go, oh, yeah, we win again. Yeah, Johnny. Um, I think probably the cup final from last year, Scottish Cup final. 
Um, it's, got, it's going. It's going quite well. I don't want to reveal too much because I want there to be an, a suspense. But it, it's got a few votes. Yeah, 114 years of her ended in the last I minute. Like by votes, and that was like, oh, they're not supposed to. <laughs> 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 nah, but again, there's been a bit of a, a debate at Burstball uh, HQ about this Motherwell Hibs game, and I think that is my my th- my point about it is if you ask five people, well, five name five iconic games or five memorable games from recent history in Scottish football, I think that definitely gets a mention That's from most nonsense. people. <laughs> That's, That's just not true because you'd have, the, you'd, have it, you'd, have, you'd have at least three Scotland games probably in there and then there's at least two, you could argue, helicopter Sundays, the aforementioned cup final and a bit. As it's, so... It's not an iconic I game. I don't care memorable. what anybody says. That's not an iconic that, game. That's more memorable than, than Scotland when one nil against France at home. I think. Shut up! No, it's not. <laughs> that's uh, just nonsense. A twelve-goal game. Non- what, what so people- that's more. So that. So that's more iconic than Scotland beating the World Cup <laughs> finalist runners-up. It's more memorable. Is it more? A- Mm. I believe I believe it's the more most iconic games competition. Arguing with democracy here, Callum Fisher just doesn't it just doesn't work. Well, by all accounts, twenty sixteen has shown that democracy's broken anyway with Trump and Brexit. So mm. I might as well. That's maybe the final nail in the coffin of democracy. <laughs> uh, if you disagree with Johnny Clark at John Joe Clark fourteen on Twitter to vent so mm. your frustration, now? yes, mm. he deserves it for an Looking opinion like that. that. And just to repeat, Johnny thinks that Motherwell six, Hibernian six, is more memorable than Scotland one, France nil. And it's not. It's maybe oh, not as memorable. Oh, as no, 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 no. I'm making clear that I'm talking about the home game and not the McFadden goal and start the France. No, he means what, the away what, game. The McFadden game is probably more iconic. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's what he's saying. We're at risk of going round in circles here. Yeah. Um, basically, vote. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say was that we will be doing a, a podcast where you two can can fully do it and you'll be able to be explicit with each other you're able to swear as well Ooh. because it's one of those episodes on Patreon where we, we actually um, sometimes swear sometimes on Patreon that'll be hopefully depending when we get it recorded um, that'll hopefully be out kind of after you know that kind of week between Christmas and New Year where no one's doing anything and we'll be releasing that podcast with the 12 finest games um, get all the guys and we'll chat about them maybe have some, some guests as well that'll be released on Patreon as well, we'll also have a Christmas special coming very soon. More on that, perhaps in the coming weeks or so. Are you a Christmas man, Connor? I don't mind it. To be fair, I get quite into it. The more, the more we go on, um, not quite feeling it just yet. But I'll be singing the Christmas carols on the top of my voice come the twenty third of December. Why? Why the twenty third? Well, maybe the 22nd, I don't know, but, but <laughs> it's just a few days before Christmas, I quite like, I get into it more. Hmm. I don't mind it, to be fair. Connor Park on Christmas, what a quote that is. It's just Pilkington all over, isn't it? <laughs> I don't mind it, to be fair. Yes, um, well, we will we will move now to the actual football that happened at the weekend, and I can't move on to it quickly enough, to be honest, guys. Um, do you want to make a point of chatting about the, the nil-nils first? Hmm. We'll start with Dundee, Ross County. Dundee, nil. Ross County, nil. Johnny Clark. Yeah, I think Ross actually called this as correct. And he always he always has a nil-nil in every week in his predictions. And I think this was his selected nil-nil. But I kind of was a bit disappointed where I thought Ross County would go and win this. But I think both teams are kind of on a decent run of form. Obviously, Dundee were beating at Kilmarnock last week. But... Um, 
Yeah, I was a bit. I was a bit surprised. I thought Ross County, who have I think since the Rangers game really turned things around. I, I don't know if they've actually lost since then. Uh, I thought they would go there and win, but I suppose it is is kind of aside from the Aberdeen game. I try to remember the other nil nil. I've already forgotten it. Uh, come on, I got Motherwell. Mm. <clears throat> There's no team that will be massively disappointed. I don't think, and I think that you can probably say both teams would be reasonably. Reasonably happy with the result, if not the the performance at Dens Park on Saturday. Yeah, Liam Boyce had the ball in the net early in the second half, but uh, a foul had been given for, um, for I think for a foul was it in Darren O'Day of of Dundee. Of course, um, the result in terms of where it leaves the two teams in the table, Ross County are seventh in the league, seventeen points from as many games. Dundee are one point behind with sixteen. I knew this was going to be a struggle with this podcast. It's why we're only going to do an hour as opposed to 90 minutes because there is there is very little to talk about, Connor. Um, is that a better point for either team there? I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Like, really struggling. She just started with the lower leagues. I think we should go back on to Christmas, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I, I don't think either team... I don't think a, a draw really suited either team, to be fair. Um, and, yeah, I mean... <laughs> What can you say? I mean, that the only thing that it does keep going is, is, is and correct me if I'm wrong because I've not got a league table in front of me, but there is still obviously that the tightness at the bottom, surely. So the, there's, there's the last kind of six, nothing's four changed. points. Nothing's changed at all. Four points from the bottom seven teams. Aye, so in that sense, it's good because in the festive period it's interesting, but then really you don't want a weekend where the only two teams that won were Celtic and Rangers, really. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then not, not against that, but you expect that anyway. You know, when you look at, at, at top flight, we've been nice to see a little bit more action. But I think what it pinpoints for certain teams, it's far more worrying than others. Um, these results across the weekend. Um, for other teams, they might just go. It's a we look at it as a, as a collective three games type thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you look at the games individually, likes of Kilmarnock taking a point against Motherwell I'm not saying they wouldn't have fans their chances to win that game mm-hmm. but that, they were away from home weren't they mm. yeah so that's, that's a decent point on the road probably you might you might you might say mm. um, yeah. clean sheets all around for managers so I suppose so there's, pleased, there's different ways you can look at it but in terms of overall entertainment value it wasn't great yeah what we'll do is then completely going against what you're saying we'll look at it collectively we'll look at Dundee nil Ross County nil Motherwell nil Kilmarnock nil and Inverness, Cali Thistle one, Hamilton one. That's six of your your bottom seven there, um, playing against each other on uh, on Saturday. Partick Thistle, obviously, the other team played on Friday night. So you are other than Partick Thistle, who are probably the big losers this weekend. They're the only team who have dropped a point behind the rest of the bottom seven. As as you were, Johnny, and it's it's not looking like it's going to change. Yeah. Um no, it's definitely going to be very tight, but I think that this I've made this point in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not, I'm not actually saying that I agree with what was said, but <clears throat> speaking to older an older Dundee United fan, he said he, he preferred it when there was a 16 team league because you didn't get as many boring games. Now, I'm not saying all these games were boring, but because it's so tight, every team's got something to play for. And that genuinely, generally leads to scrappy matches. Now, if these teams were <clears throat> middle of the road, 
the league as a whole would probably be less exciting to look at in the t- in terms of the table. It'd probably be less exciting towards the end of the season. But the matches individually might may be a little bit more exciting. And I do think that the fact that the league's so tight, every little point matters. I mean, we're saying that Park Thistle are the big losers this week and they've all they've done is lose to Celtic. You know, that's how tight mm. the league is. Um, like you could argue they might be the big winners then. The fact that they were playing Celtic and they've only lost a point. Yeah, and team. nobody else has, has... They've not really lost ground. And I suppose they've lost ground on everybody, but they've not lost big ground on anybody. Mm. So it is, it's so tight, but I, I guess it does the fact that the, the league's so tight at the bottom damage these sort of... When they play each other, the games are of a lower quality. Mm. Here's Paul Hartley to cheer us all up. Point. I think every point is going to be vital. We could have won it with, with Haber's chance, but at the other end, Scott makes a magnificent save. I felt we were okay the first half. We had some good passes to play, some good opportunities. Second half, it became a little bit frantic. I, I thought the game was quite open today. I thought we uh, we defended well, stoutly at times, you know, and used the ball really well. I thought we went through the middle of the pitch really well. And uh, as I say, the switch of play was a key feature in today's play. Yeah, Paul Hartley and Jim McIntyre thereafter, the 0-0 draw between Dundee and Ross County. No goals to be found either, Callum, at Fur Park. A game you touched on uh, a second ago. It finished Motherwell 0, Kilmarnock 0. Yeah, I, think, I don't think I can really add much more to, to any of it than what yourself or Johnny said at the moment. Kind of very similar in, in, in terms of um, both sides, obviously. I don't think we'll be we'll be near the relegation places, but because it's so tight, you know, you could realistically say the whole bottom half of the table is in a relegation battle at the moment, and um, I think it just goes to show how close it is, to be honest. Um, and as Johnny was saying earlier, I, I don't think either side will be will be too disappointed um, with that result. Yeah, a complete change in, in fortunes for Motherwell. They were obviously the week before involved in a. A thrilling game against Celtic, seven goals there. I think Kilmarnock had six in midweek against Aberdeen, so you were probably expecting goals, Connor. You just didn't get them. No, I know it's <coughs> it's it's disappointing. But I think I, I don't know the predictions. Looking back, I didn't really pay attention to what everyone else said, but I, I certainly didn't predict this many no nils. I certainly expected more goals of nothing else. Um, and I say it's a hard one to really examine. Will be really disappointed. I think anybody can be really disappointed with a draw, but I see for me it's more than entertainment value and uh, not great, I suppose. I think we've got to have a wee bit of context here. Like this, this league has been brilliant this season. I think there's been much, many more bit good games than there has been disappointing games. I think it's just one of those weekends. Uh, Mark McGee. Think a lot about clean sheet, sheet, and of course you've got to be able to defend. And if we could have kept a, a clean sheet last week, we'd have beat Celtic three nothing. But um, you know, it's not about that. It's about putting these chances away. You know, if we had scored three today and lost two, I'd be happier than I am standing here with a clean sheet. That's two Saturdays on the bounce where we've got clean sheets. So we are doing the basics right in most of the games. Um, we just have to uh, clean up on others. Um, but as I said, when you come away from home, you get a clean sheet and you get a point. Usually you're happy. But with the league being so tight and tense, you want to try and get those three points. I'm just going to end the podcast right there after that Mark McGee interview. I would be happy with a 3-2 win and a 0-0 draw. There's a man that's... Uh, Got a key role in the Scotland set up there, everybody. You'd be happier with a 3 2 win than a 0 0 draw. Of course, mm. you would. Yeah, I know. 
know. He's literally just saying words there, isn't he? He's not actually said anything. He's just said, like... If we'd his, have kept a clean sheet, no we'd have beaten Celtic 3-0. And if my I auntie, etc. It just doesn't make... It's just the most pointless point I've ever heard in my entire life. Pointless points. Pointless point, yeah. I um, suppose a goalless point. Yeah, um, well, at uh, least there was there was two goals somewhere. Give us goals, please. There was there was some hope somewhere. It was uh, at um, Tullock Caledonian Stadium. Yes, Inverness one, Hamilton Aki's one. Ali Crawford scored again. I think that's nine for the season he's got now. It's a hell of a return considering we're only well, we are in December, but it is only December, and he's not even a what you'd call a proper forward. He scored, I think, nine goals. A lot of them have been free kicks. The boy Larnell Cole equalised for Inverness, Cali Thistle, and uh, this is just basically the same kind of chat as before, except there were two goals. Yeah, Hamilton are just seem to draw every single week. I think they've drawn 10 out of their 16 games. They've only lost four times, but they've got both the old firm coming up this week. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> doing what's probably the toughest four days I've ever seen a Scottish team have. They've got Celtic away tomorrow night and then Rangers at home, I think, on, on Friday. So I think from Hamilton's point of view, you could you could say that I think they've been pretty solid, but considering they've got those two games coming up, it is a bit of a, a worry. They'll probably find themselves probably back bottom of the league after this weekend, I would imagine. Well, I, I don't know, because other teams are not playing tomorrow, are they? So... I think there's there's one other game. I think Aberdeen are playing someone, but it, it's an interesting one because you look you look at Hamilton. They've drawn those ten games, Connor. And again, I'm stating the obvious, but if if you gave them, and I think it was, who was it on the there was someone on the the radio chatting yesterday that if you gave them five wins and five losses every ten games, he'd be five points better off. Exactly, and I think that there's a real real danger. Uh, I'm not making any big statements or, or that, but no, do that, please. We need something to no, liven no. up this show. What I'm saying though is, you need to be very, very careful that come the end of the season, you're not pulling out the old cliche of, and only if they draws could have been wins. Uh, and that could be, for the position they're in just now, I genuinely believe that could be them being in a playoff to go down. It could be them going down automatically. It could even be if they were to go on a run mm. in the second half of the season and actually turn those draws into wins. Could be different to get them top six or not. The fact that you know they've had so many draws at this stage mm. of the season, but it just sounds to me that no matter how Hamilton's season shapes out now, they're always going to now have to look back at specific games and go and what if we hadn't mm. held on that lead and what if, you know where would you end up. Um, I think we had we had the league table out last week, the half time table, and they're, they're sitting second. They're probably they were ahead at half time again on Saturday, so they're, they're probably still in second. It's a really strange one because you're drawing a game after seventy five minutes. Should he? Is it as simplistic as this, or should Martin Cannon, friend of the show, go and try and win matches? Because see, as I say, if you win one out of every two that you would have otherwise drawn, and you lose the other one, you're going to be a point better off for every every two games. Should he should he put more into winning games? It's true. I mean, we don't see the whole the whole game. We see snippets, we see highlights. So it's hard to work out just how much he's going for these games. You maybe know more than I do because you've you've done a bit of work interviewing and stuff like that with, with Mark Cannon recently. Um, didn't really show us his tactics. Both no, I don't think he would. <laughs> but no, but I, I just don't be picked up anything from that. But it's I always think you know looking at the league as it is with it being so tight. Considering Inverness are one of those teams that are down there, 
Um, you've got every chance at, at going and getting a goal against them. You may as well kind of go for it. But I can still see that there is always a thing of because they're a team that is in danger of being sucked in and, and all that sort of thing that a draw is better than none. But it's speculate to accumulate. You know, do you do you lose two games in a row and win three because you've went for it? All that sort of thing. It's out of, out of a series of five. You can never tell. That's the unpredictability of it. Um, but he needs to make sure that over the next few weeks, as we approach kind of that winter break, um, that they are starting to pick up more wins. Because I've got no doubt that although that group of six is really tight just now, that will fluctuate a little bit throughout the rest of the season with other teams maybe going on a new year run and getting a wee spark. And January, I think, is going to be very, very key for a lot of these clubs. An opportunity that we should have made more of and, and probably scored again and won the game. Um, but it's again for us it's another point a difficult place to come um, and, and if we put a couple of wins in there I think we'll be saying we're really performance wise and we're difficult to break down we're difficult to beat you will be saying you're reasonably pleased but I think the fact that we're missing probably two wins three wins out of that group of draws um, makes sure it means now that the game has just become vital that we start picking up three points When you don't get a clear penalty which is a clear clear penalty not only has he handballed it he's pushed it with his hand and the referee is in the best position ever to see it he's looking straight at it Interesting, very interesting, very disappointed once again. Probably when you're down there, you don't get those decisions, but also, look, we've got to take our chances. A bit of composure, a bit of quality we were looking for, but all in all, delighted with the performance. I thought he was a bit swear there, halfway through that interview, Richie Foran. He's a, we've been over it so many times, he's a tough character to read. Clearly not very happy with that refereeing decision. Clearly not. Um, You're the only one answering me today, Connor. I know. It's a nice week partnership we've got going on here. Uh, no, I think you need to be careful because you can express your disappointment, but you're just teetering on dangerous lines there, I think. Um, and, you know, he, he wants to be down there with his team, but you can understand frustration why, you can understand, you know, um, if he feels that it was a, a clear penalty, which he clearly does um, that, that when you're drawing a game and they are down there and as Martin Cannon even said himself it's vital that you're picking up three points that's a home game for them so it's probably more so um, looking at it for, from Hamilton's point of view I can actually understand where Martin Cannon's coming from when he says kind of good point type thing um, but looking at the three Inverness a home game against Hamilton you're probably looking to win that Um mm. But that's just the, the tightness and unpredictability of the league, I suppose. According to the bookies, Johnny Inverness are the least likely of that bottom seven to be relegated and finish bottom of the league. Ten to one. I wouldn't certainly have them as the least likely. Inverness are ten to one to get to finish bottom. Mm. That's, that seems like an incredible price. I don't really know why they've, what sort of justification they've got for that. Are Inverness uh, not bottom of the league? A second bottom. Second uh, bottom ahead of party. Just ahead of party. I would have, um, I'd have Ross County. I would have Motherwell, Dundee, all better teams than them in my mind. I Hamilton, I don't know. I think that's mix and match between them. Partick Thistle aren't great, and Kilmarnock. You know my thoughts on Kilmarnock. So well, I would have. I, I would actually go as far as to say now that I'd put Ross County, Motherwell, Dundee, and Kilmarnock in the same bracket. You think Kilmarnock are that good? I would. I see. I would agree with. I think the the, the, the bottom four coming in the season, and it's impossible to split them. I think it'll be Hamilton, Inverness, um, Partick Thistle and Kilmarnock. And I think 
I think Ross County. I know they've they've struggled <coughs> for goals, but I, th- I think Ross County will be okay eventually. I, I think they've put together a decent run. Unbeaten in five. Unbeaten in five. Yeah, Motherwell. We've said we've, we've stressed the importance of goals so much, and I think this weekend kind of highlights that a goal how how much a goal scorer can do for you. If you, if you've got someone that will score goals in these sort of games that are finishing nothing each, then then you will. Um, eventually get gather the points to stay up and obviously Kilmarnock and Motherwell were two and Ross County are the teams that I highlighted as having those players and I think obviously this weekend they maybe didn't quite but on another weekend they might have, have won their team the game and I think that's what maybe separates those teams from Partick, Hamilton and Inverness although there are Inverness Dumbaya is it? Yeah he's, he's, scoring a few, he's scoring a few goals he seems to be going under the radar as well so but I, I would put down those three or four as the as the bottom, being at the bottom. I think it's the the three that are there at the minute: Partick, Inverness, and Dundee. That will be <laughs> one of the three or two of the three to go down. I think Kilmarnock. I mean, the top six at the minute for a reason. I think they're a better team than probably they've been given credit for. Lee Clark's done a good job in terms of, um, you know. The, the sheer volume of players he brought in in the summer and okay it didn't look as if it was maybe working to begin with but they've started to, to work their way up and I think Kilmarnock along with Ross County will be fine I think Hamilton and Motherwell it might because I think eventually there is going to be gaps created here it's not I, do, I doubt it will stay like this very much far past January um, and I think I mean, I think Hamilton and Motherwell will always be in the conversation this season, but I think at the end of the day they'll be they'll be they'll be fine. I think it's I think the bottom three are the three worst teams in the league. I, I mean, I've not seen anything great from Partick Thistle this season. Inverness, I thought would be better than they were, and Dundee, I think I predicted that at the start of the season would finish bottom anyway. So I think the I think the table as it stands at the moment, from top to bottom, is pretty fair. I still think Kilmarnock will be the team to finish bottom, but that's just me sticking to my principles. I, I don't think there's there's, I, I wouldn't even separate them into kind of different groups of standard. I think the several of them are identical almost in, in how good they are. I think there's there's very little to to put between them, and you see that at the weekend when six of them are playing and they they all finish in draws. Mm. And I who's to say Partick Thistle? were playing Hamilton that it wouldn't finish in a draw. It did last week. That kind of stuff like it's mm. they're I've so close. Probably been too generous to Dundee actually. I kind they kind of slipped under the under the radar there because I said I think I said they'd finish bottom. I started off with Inverness and changed to Dundee. I'll probably change again before the new year. <laughs> it's fascinating because there. I mean, we go on about it so much, but there there isn't one team that's going to be cut adrift because you've seen it in the past. Every team like it or not I mean they've not won many games between them the most that's been won is four out of 16 17 games this season but when it comes down to it and when they really need a result like when Dundee had to go to Hamilton and they hadn't won in 11 games or something or when Ross County really needed a win in that terrible run they had they usually pick up wins Kilmarnock have picked up wins when they needed them Hamilton have picked up maybe not wins but they've picked up points when they've needed it, Partick Thistle went when they were in real trouble. Went and won two games in a row. The, the games against Dundee eh, and St Johnson, two tough away games, and they won both of them. So I don't see there being any team cut adrift. Eh, I just hope that in the future there's, there's more goals when when they play because it's it's no coincidence that they were 
only two goals in the three matches. They're, they're obviously cagey affairs. They're scared of losing the match rather than going to try and win it. Maybe that's the problem that Hamilton have had. They've not gone and tried to win games enough. Too scared to lose it. I think Hamilton maybe, like you said there, that the Motherwell, Dundee, Inverness, even yeah, Inverness started poorly. Partick, Ross County, Kilmarnock, they've all gone and won games when they need to. I think Hamilton are probably the only one that haven't really had a bad run of form and they're still in that sort of scrap, which leads you to believe maybe that when they do have a bad run of form, they might maybe drift, No, I'm not going to say drift away, but my point basically is they're, they're the only one yet to have a really bad run of form and they're just they're still in and amongst it. Mm. They're just sort of plodding along with a lot of draws. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so tight, it's impossible to mm. call really. We'll, we'll leave the discussion for the bottom seven there for now and and go to the, well, I'm about to say more glamorous matters of the top six, but it was still nil-nil between Aberdeen and St Johnston on Saturday. This is a result. I mean, St Johnston's record at Pataudry is, is really good, but it's just another another stick to beat McInnes with. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're a team that has ambitions of finishing second, and I kind of feel like I've said this a lot of times before, even going back to last season, um, St Johnston, to their credit, are a good team. They're a solid side, they can defend, they can attack. You, you really can't say too much against them for the size of club and what they achieve. But um, I do stand by the fact that if you're at home and you want to be finishing runners-up with the Scottish Premiership, you'd really need to be beating St Johnston. And that's maybe a bit harsh on St Johnston and not giving them enough credit for what they can do in a game. But um, it just kind of sums up uh, Aberdeen for me and and the way they've been they can pull out some magnificent results um, and then at other times it, it just doesn't click and they just you know they get beat by these teams or they draw with these teams and and overall over the course of a season that does eventually show Wanting somebody to to add to that discussion there. Yeah, I'm struggling with now now big time. I mean, this is the third time they've <coughs> played this season. There's been one goal. It was in the 93rd minute. They they should be banned from playing each other. I think I actually watched the the first game. It was the opening weekend they played, yeah, wasn't it, it was, McDermott it was Park? The, the worst game ever. Finished um, nothing each until year. they met in the cup, which was arguably an even worse game. <laughs> um, and at least it had a goal right then, a bit of drama, and then the game on Saturday mm. was just terrible as well. It's like why are these two playing each other. Suppose five one last, last season, season were that the was, best shinny I've ever seen. It was, well, no, it was uh, Easton. It wasn't shinny. Ah. Uh, it was um, five one. There was a four three at Pitodre uh, at uh, McDermott Park that Aberdeen won. It was like as if they've used up their two year goal allowance in one <laughs> season. And now they're just hee haw. The, the point I would make though is, <clears throat> you speak about those three games across the season, and. <clears throat> You kind of say about the top, the bottom six, sorry, that they all kind of cancel each other out. And it was, are we now looking at it? Could you take any consideration for this? Is now Aberdeen falling away slightly and they are kind of more so round about St Johnston's level nah. rather than competing for that second top place? Or are you being a bit harsh to St Johnston? Should they be slightly alleviated from the position that we see them they in? Just, Aberdeen get away with murder, and we've said it for ages, they are when it really matters in big games they don't turn up but also in games like that like when they played St Johnson last season they'd won all those games a good team wouldn't lose 5-1 at home after winning the first eight games of the season 
they just for me McInnes has got a real problem with games when they need to go and get a result his players very rarely actually turn up in real big games in fact you'd argue they beat Rangers at the start of the season yes but you'd argue and I've made the point before the last time that they properly turned up in a big game was was Celtic last season at home it's even it's even worse than they're, they're away from home and and for me Aberdeen, I think they're third in the league at the moment. I, I could, I could easily see them finishing fourth this season. For me, that would be uh, a massive, massive failure under under Derek McInnes. We'll, we'll hear from him just now before you guys come in. Game that we wanted to win today, um, um, but we didn't do enough to win the game. And I thought we more merited the what point. I think St Johnston sat in, they had a good shape about them. They, they, they offered a real threat on the counter attack as they always do, and they get bodies forward from that. And we needed to look after the ball a wee bit more and try and show more more quality and crafty to, to, to find an answer. Um, that's where we're disappointed. I thought we allowed ourselves to get a bit frustrated and chase the game. Um, but when I'm a, bit, a wee bit more thought to the game, might have helped us win the game. They come here and limit them to very few chances. You know they, They've had to change their shape at, at half-time because of how well we were doing. And I think throughout the game, we created uh, more clear-cut chances. And it was almost deja vu with, with uh, David's free kick uh, hitting the post. and. Then the keeper manages to keep that out, but fortunately for us, he didn't get a late winner, and uh, we actually could have maybe sneaked one at the end as well. So, really pleased to come here and get a point. And that's Ibrox, we went two and probably should have won and got a draw. Hearts, uh, the same, and, and up here. So, um, all full credit to the players. Tommy, right there, St Johnson manager. You can't argue with St Johnson in terms of in big games. I'm talking about Aberdeen. It's almost the opposite. St Johnson, he gets a reaction in big games, and they usually get a point or at least a result out of uh, out of big games, tough away games. Uh, well, I was. I mean, we were talking there obviously about the St Johnson Aberdeen games that have been this season, and um, they've also, in terms of teams that are near them, obviously they got a point at uh, Ibrox, and they've beaten and drawn against Hearts this season. So. I mean, they deserve to be where they are, potentially even closer to to that kind of gr- the group of three. They are kind of fighting for second place. So they're, they're four behind uh, Hearts. They've, they've got, got a game in hand in Hearts, so, so they're they're not miles off the pace. No, they're not at all. Um, and and maybe it's just something that everybody slept on a wee bit in terms of with Rangers, Aberdeen, and Hearts that maybe people didn't realise that St Johnston will be in and about there. Um, as well, I still think fifth is probably where they're going to be. Barring, I think it would have to be a bit of a collapse from yeah. Aberdeen because personally, I think Hearts are a better team than Aberdeen, and I certainly think the Rangers are as well. So, I, I mean, and we've obviously just spoken about St Johnston um, against Aber- Aberdeen in terms of of this season so far. So, I think they they probably still will end up where they are. But as you say, it's just a, you could probably to an extent copy and paste everything you've said about Tommy Wright's and Johnston team season after season they're, they're just doing it again um, they're, they're very consistent and and they make it you know they make it difficult for, for everybody they, they play against so credit to them Yeah St Johnston were the better team from the, the sounds of things certainly look at the highlights they had chances late on to win the match but it did finish nil now interesting point now McGinn and Peter Pollock both taking off at half time for Aberdeen <laughs> clearly shown that he's he's not best pleased with what he's seen from his team at the moment, Connor. No, I think um <coughs> it's good if a manager, you know, feels he to, to go out there and make the changes. Um I think even Derek McCann will realise that that's a game that he really can for his team to win in and if he doesn't feel he's getting the performance that he needs then he can change that. And I think to be fair to Aberdeen they probably do have 
the options there that they can change it and, and try and get people on to make an impact but um, it just didn't quite work in the end but as you said it's a hard one you want to criticise Aberdeen you do need to give credit to St Johnston no. but as you say they maybe feel with those couple of chances towards the end I think it was Blair or Alston was kind of over, overthrew and he, he just knocked it past the post and I was thinking back briefly at the highlights that I saw but um, it was Mary, maybe Murray Davidson was it Murray Davidson? maybe I thought it was the same one you're thinking of they're, they're unbeaten in four at Pataudry now St Johnson it's a really good record they've got going however that will do us for nil-nil chat we're not spending too much time on that the other games thankfully provided some goals we had two at Ibrooks on Saturday where it finished Rangers 2 Hearts nil. really big result for Rangers this by the looks of things and they've certainly got a good reaction since the, the defeat by the same scoreline just 10 days ago against Hearts yeah, the more time passes from that result against Tynecastle, it kind of looks like that was a watershed moment for well for Mark Warburton in particular, but the players as well. Obviously, I think um, you know I was I was very clear. I thought after that Tynecastle game, there was no real sign from from that game. That if you go back, probably until the start of the season, that there was any change happening. I think Rangers fans were always prepared. With the, the vast majority were, fa- were were always prepared for there to be stumbles this season, as long as there was signs of progress. Obviously, the gap between ourselves and Celtic doesn't help things. Um, and so, after that Tyne Castle game, it really didn't look good. I thought if we lost at home at Aberdeen, I didn't think he would see January. But credit to him and credit to the players he's changed it a wee bit in terms of I mean Miller's been in midfield Tavernier was in in midfield on Saturday Hodgson's came in mm. um, Garner's has appeared to I mean he, he was always given the effort but he I mean he got a, I wasn't at the game unfortunately due to work that's two weeks in a row I've missed our probably our two best performances maybe, maybe there's so a, less, probably, a lesson I, there the Kilmarnock game as well you yeah, missed I should probably just stay away I think um, but Garner came off to an absolutely rapturous round of applause. He was apparently fantastic. So it seems as though the players. I think the the thing with the players is they get accused sometimes this Rangers team of being a bit soft and not willing to really get stuck in. Um, saw against the Aberdeen in the Aberdeen game where they were battling for each other. This game was no different. Everybody, it was a real team effort. I thought Kiernan out with his, his goal, which was a fantastic header, was absolutely rock solid. Um, the midfield was, was good, was creative. Barry Mackay was, again, showing why I think when he when his confidence is up, I don't think there's a, a, a young Scottish player currently playing in the top flight that can that can match him. And I, Jay, I'll stand by that. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I think what Warburton's done, taking him out of the, the firing line a wee bit, has been good for him because there was a real emphasis from the supporters on, on him being the real creative force and you know he's still young and he's still learning um, but to beat Aberdeen and Hearts on, in successive weeks and then we've we've got two winnable games sorry three winnable games um, before the big one on New Year's Eve if we can get if we can keep this going then I think we'll start to make second place our own a wee bit um, but mm. just really really happy and D- delighted to kind of been proven wrong a wee bit um, by Warburton because I've been I'm, I'm a huge fan of his um, and and obviously just really pleased that we got the result on Saturday. Yeah, I certainly got the feeling from from what I saw of the Aberdeen game and also the, the game on Saturday that Rangers looked like a much better team. They looked more like them the team they were last season. Looked to be much more vibrant. They looked to have um, a more kind of steely resilience to the game as well. 
and I thought they were. I always felt Rangers were going to were going to get that first goal on Saturday, and it's it's not as if Hearts played badly either. I thought Hearts kind of moved the ball about well as well, but Rangers just looked much better. Looked like they were keeping the ball better, and they just looked a much more kind of vibrant opposition. What do you think's happened, Connor, since that that game at Tynecastle against Hearts? I don't know. I think it's maybe just been a little bit of a shake that the, the team and needed. Um, it's hard, you know. I know we know Hearts did well last year, but you can't probably underestimate. You know, it does take a little bit of time, no matter who you are, to to adjust to your settings and <coughs> get into a league. What I will say is, that it doesn't mean that what was going on was acceptable. Because I think as Campbell did on, needs to be some sort of progression, no matter you know what league you're in, no matter who who you are, you need to see some form of of improvement over a period of time. But I think it was maybe just what they needed the pressure. All came on. I think for me it was a kind of flight, fight or flight, sink or swim type scenario, where you know they were either going to come back fighting really, really strongly, or maybe went down my whimper type thing. But it doesn't surprise me that they've come back. And um, I think having these couple of home games and and big games at, at the same time was probably the best thing that could happen, Rangers, because. You know, I seen them against St Johnston at Ibrox when it was a Tuesday night, and it was a little bit flat. And you know, understandably, because the performance wasn't great. But when you take it into a big atmosphere against the Hearts and Aberdeen, all these sort of things, in a packed arena, um, that can often bring out the best in players. And I think that's probably what's happened in 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 this case. In terms of Hearts, Johnny, first game under Ian Cathro. I know you guys had a, a lengthy discussion on Friday or Thursday show. About Ian Cathro, we got the impression that a result, being a poor result on Saturday, which it was, losing at Ibrox, that you'd have a bit of heat turned up on him. Has that been the case? Um, I don't think it's actually been as bad as as what I actually expected. I haven't seen too much, um, too much of the media sort of digging into him at all, really. Um, so it's actually been surprisingly quiet, and I, I do think Catherine needs a lot of time. The only thing I, well, I seen was probably before the game was uh, Craigan's meltdown, which I found which I found mm. pretty um, pretty amusing. I have to admit, um, kind of just summed everything up that was that's kind of I wouldn't say wrong with the Scottish game, but these sort of players that used to play in the in the top flight just thinking they're more entitled to management than than other sort of <laughs> other people that have been around. I mean uh, Sutton listed off he's been at Rio Ave, he's been at um Newcastle, Valencia and Stephen Cragen has been well, what's he done since he retired? He's, he's done his coaching badges. Oh, he's got his badges. He didn't want the Hearts job, though. Yeah, he's he got didn't his want badges. It, yeah. but he's, he's got no experience, you know, the Cathro to go all the way out to, to Portugal and Spain and to come for Newcastle to think he's clearly got enough talent mm. to come back. But he's, you've got to be, you've got to have guts to go out and do that. And I think he's more than deserving of the job, and I, I, I hope he proves people mm. wrong. I think he, he might just do that. My worry about Cathro, and I've not had the chance to, to speak on last week's show so it's kind of a delayed response I don't know if he's capable of coming straight in and being a manager right now I appreciate he's at a club where he's got he doesn't need to do a lot of the managing to be totally honest because he's not his role isn't even manager it's what is it a head coach at Hearts and you've got the director of football Craig Levine up above him now, Craig Levine will be dealing with a lot of the the day-to-day stuff that normal managers would have to deal with so Ian Cathro's got a lot of that off his shoulder straight away, he can just kind of he can concentrate on on the stuff he needs to. I just wonder if being an assistant 
how difficult it is to be the number two and a lot of people like being the number two because the number two doesn't have to make the big decisions the manager makes the decision I just wonder if him coming in from being the number two to the number one if that'll, that'll transform into good stuff for Hart straight away or whether it'll take a little time that's my only worry about Ian Cathal any of the other stuff about his methods and all that is just nonsense that's just I mean you, you guys touched on it last week it's just um, the, the kind of old guard type yeah. views and things that that's yeah. not got anything to do with it he's clearly got experience he's clearly not going to be worried about telling a Hearts player that he's not performed well at the weekend because he's dealt with some massive guys I just wonder if the fact that he's been a number two if he'll struggle to adapt to be number one mm. that's that's my main worry with him aye but he didn't talk to Chris Boyd in a coaching course so he mm. can't make it stuff like that I think <laughs> I think um, there probably will be a, a bit of a bedding in period for him Um I think the the thing was obviously to to kind of counter your point from what I saw from kind of Hearts fans on Twitter and things like that they didn't think the performance was great but like the vast majority of Hearts fans that I, I've seen are, are obviously delighted that Catherine McCree's come in um, and I think uh, as I said on on the other show I hope obviously he does he does well to an extent of not doing well against Rangers but I, I genuinely hope he does really well because. Um, if anything this is showing that somebody like Ian Cathro who's young and whose methods aren't as conventional will do the world a good and the less people that have the mentality of Chris Boyd and Stephen Cragen in Scottish football the, the better the game's going to be and if and hopefully as I say hopefully as a success I just think it's very very harsh and I know Rangers haven't been brilliant this season but it's very very harsh to, for, and Johnny was saying obviously there hasn't been too much of this but to start um, kind of speculating on, on certain things based off of one game away at Ibrox. Do you know what I mean? I think I think he'll do fine, and, and I actually think at the end of the season, Hearts are going to finish above Aberdeen. Um, but as I say, I think just there's just going to be so much attention to it that I just hope it doesn't mm. um, end up kind of, of making it... I don't know, I don't know the right way to frame it, but like I just the, I think people just need to kind of move on to whatever's whatever's next he's there let him do the job let's see how he gets on and, and judge him on his merits mm. I think everybody needs to consider even when you look at the this whole thing about oh he's meant to coach and couldn't speak to anybody Fog, uh, Scottish football sorry is a very kind of closed shop yeah. um, if I'm a coach if I'm Chris Boyd everybody knows who Chris Boyd is um, if I'm walking into a room and I'm on a coaching course and I don't know who else was on it, but I would imagine it's uh, the vast, vast majority of it is current players and managers who all know each other because they all see each other once every what six, seven weeks. Yeah. Um, some of them are doing punditry work with each other. Some of them are on other courses with each other. So of course the new boy in the class type thing that walks in for the first time, haven't really spoken to these guys before, isn't they going to walk in full of confidence and you know mm. stand up and shout and sing and dance? Um, it doesn't mean though that you know the wee boy in the corner is not going to be the best guy in the class. I know it's taking it to a bit of extreme circumstance. No, I, know, I know what you mean. I know what you're getting at. He, if he doesn't know these guys, he's not exactly going to walk in because I, I'm not. I'm no expert. I don't know the exact situation of what's going on. But <clears throat> if he comes in and is the big character and is chatting to everybody, it wouldn't surprise me if these same people that are slagging him for being quiet would be the ones that would slag him for who does no, this guy all. think he is. Mm. He's never going to win. Yeah. The only thing he can do is go out and get results on the pitch. If he does that, then nobody can really criticise him. He's going into a club, and they talk about when, when new managers come in, it's usually after failure. 
you look at Mark Warburton, Brendan Rodgers, Derek McInnes, they all come in when something's gone wrong, pretty much. He's coming into a club here at Hearts who are fantastic the way they're set. The, the structure behind them is brilliant. It's probably the best in Scotland, you'd argue, maybe, with, with Anne Budge, the way she's controlling things. And Craig Levine... I think as long as you're happy with Craig Levine and let's, the club won't come out and say this publicly but Craig Levine's doing a lot of the stuff in the background he isn't just there picking up a wage he has a lot to say and he's given a lot of advice to Robbie Nielsen in the past and will do the same way in Cathro but I think it could actually maybe work out quite nicely for him that he's got Craig Levine with him I think it could be a good appointment as I say to repeat myself the only worry I have is whether he can adjust from being a number two to number one immediately or whether it will take too long and whether he'll get the time to do it at hearts. Well, the thing is, it's tough because you know you talk about him having experience at all these clubs, which is great. I'm not going to diss the guy for that. But at Newcastle, even for example, if Rafa Benitez isn't happy with a player, Rafa Benitez is going to tell that player mm-hmm. he's not going to send Ian Cathro, no matter how high, how highly he rates him, he's not going to send the assistant manager and give him a bollocking. It'll be the manager. Um, and, and and that's the only thing that you need to adapt. I'm not. I, I think you know, the, the Hearts players you know will respond to him, but it's that adjustment for him. It's that like going back to the the kind of person coming in the room to think. The only thing is looking at Hearts as a club. How many times do you think Robin Nielsen had to really give a a right bollock in any way over the number of two seasons? Because um, if you think about it, the number of times that they actually lost games very, very badly. It was probably a few and far between. Whereas yeah. it's no like he's walking at a club, but losing all the time. Um, mm. I think he'll be fine. I, I'm not going to say he's going to do anything world beating stuff. I think he's going to be a disaster. Um, I think it's a, a good appointment, a steady appointment with with its calculated risks. But I, mm. I do think the risks are calculated or not. Um, I can't see there being any major disasters. I don't know how far he'll go. I don't know how much further Hearts can go. But I think for him, it's a good good starting ground. I yeah. I just probably just to touch on kind of what you were saying there. The three of the four best teams in that league have got forward thinking. Twenty first century, I suppose would I would call define them as managers, um, and Rogers, Warburton, and Cathro. I think that. Is I mean, as I say, that is a good thing. I think when you have managers who yeah. are, I mean, we don't really know too much about Catherine's style of play in terms and things like that. But when you hear him speak, he's very big, like in terms of his tactics and things. He's very big on trying to play football the right way and mm. and things like that. And obviously, we've seen it Celtic with Rodgers and, and Rangers, uh, albeit not entirely all this season. <laughs> um, that there's a there's a method. There's, uh, you know, how they want to play football, how they want to develop talent, and how they want the kind of the whole thing to work around the club. So I think it's good that that Rangers, Celtic, and Hearts um, have all got those kind of progressive, forward-thinking managers. Just one last thing, quickly on this: um, you should actually go and listen to the BBC Radio Five Live thing, where Barton and Chris <coughs> Boyd are having a, a yeah. debate, and uh, Chris Boyd actually hits out as a response to. Uh, point Joy Barton makes, he says the word hang me, he just goes, I will hang me uh, so that for me just confirmed that Chris Boyd doesn't really know what he's talking about mm, Yeah, Chris Boyd didn't come across very well in that interview with Joey Barton I don't think at all, final game or the first game actually of the Premiership weekend was at Fur Hill at Finnish Partick Thistle 
one Celtic four more goals in this game than the other five games combined and Celtic got their, their 13th win of the season not very unlucky Connor. No, I think it's becoming a little bit of a um, kind of same story type, type scenario they just don't seem to be a team that are going to um, be beaten um, I didn't see the game in truth but I've seen a little bit of the uh, highlights. I've looked back at you know, read through and all that sort of stuff, and <clears throat> it, it just—I I just struggle to think. You know who who is going to you know st- stop them? Because I, I, I'll put my, my thing on the line and say you know it will happen. I think there will be one week where it might just something. I think might that's go an wrong. easy answer though. But um, I know why people would say, and I totally understand why people would say that they think they're going to go the whole season unbeaten. Um, Celtic just seem to, you know, they don't need to be brilliant for the whole game. I thought they were very good from what I saw on Friday, but they just are able to blast things a little bit and they pick up a couple of goals in a matter of minutes Mm. and that's all they really need. You know, they, they can be games, they can play games at second, third gear. I'm not saying they are, but they could easily play game at second, third gear and have a five minute spell in first gear and I still think they win it. Mm. I know, I kind of get what you mean there about um, we'd be looking back at that Motherwell game um, Motherwell probably dominated well, the I first half, the certainly. Going to have this season. Yeah, yeah, and Celtic only played well for 15-20 minutes and they still scored four goals and won the match 4-3. But Mark McGee has at the weekend there revealed the strategy to beat Celtic. You just have to score three <gasps> without conceding. So <laughs> if anyone picks up on that, then I'm sure they'll be beaten uh, fairly soon. Hmm. You much rather be beat Celtic than Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, beating Celtic are kind of in Mark McGee's brain anywhere because he seems to do a, a fairly decent job of uh, just uh, lying down or potentially even bending over when it comes to Celtic. <sighs> Yeah, well, the game the game I was obviously at on Friday night at Farhill, it was a. I didn't think Celtic were were very good at all. Actually, I thought Celtic in, in the first half were as poor as they've been under Brendan Rodgers. It was clear that the team had played three days before in a game uh, in England against Man City, and and they looked out of sorts. I think there was a lot of players, the likes of uh, Gamboa and well Griffiths, I suppose you've got to call an outcast at the moment. That was that was starting on Friday night's game. But they got the goal, great play from Griffiths and Armstrong, who was fantastic again, gets his goal, he then gets his second at the start of the, the second half. And from then on, it just kind of came into place and Celtic ended up winning the game 4-1. And, and 4-1's a result that if, if any other team was to get that, again, away to Partick Thistle, you'd be, you'd be lauding them for But for Celtic, it was just a, kinda, a case of, of job done. And it was there was no big celebrations after the game. It was just off the park and, and on to the next game. Up against uh, Hamilton at Celtic Park on Tuesday night, it was eight the last time, Johnny, the last time Hamilton visited Celtic Park. Could it be similar on Tuesday night? Um, it'll be one all. Probably. Ham- Hamilton will go out and draw this one again. Nah, I think I think it'll be three nothing. I I don't know Hamilton will go there with much with with much ambition, but to credit Hamilton, they've beaten Aberdeen, they went to Ibrox and got a point. I just think this will probably be Probably be just a bit too much for them. This is the one occasion where Hamilton would most definitely take a point. Yeah, hundred mm. percent. Take draws in the next two games. They'll probably I think. win. Mm. <laughs> I know. The other game is Motherwell against Aberdeen. I think that is at Petodre. Yes, Petodre. 
um, <coughs> the scene of that famous one, remember that the SPFL were, or BBC, whoever it was, were tweeting the video earlier on when Motherwell scored that last minute goal to deny Aberdeen's second place in the league back two or three seasons ago. This is a game that Aberdeen probably have to go out and, and win this match. Similar to the midweek Kelly game last week, I think they've got a point to prove yet again. And it seems to be a recurring theme for Aberdeen. They, they seem to constantly have this point to prove and then go out and prove it and then at the weekend, you know, prove why they need to prove a point again the next week. And now that they're in the sim, a similar situation here, um, three consecutive home matches, though it's been a relatively generous uh, run of fixtures for them. Seven points out of nine from those three wouldn't be disastrous, but of course they've got to go out tomorrow and and beat uh, Mark McGee returning to Pataudry. Yeah, of course. Uh, if Aberdeen win that, they'll be on to 31 points after 17. Rangers are in 32 from 17 at the moment. Hearts would be just a little bit off the pace. They would then be four back from Aberdeen and five back from Rangers. Celtic still top of the league. Eight points between Celtic and Rangers at the moment. We will move finally into the Championship. I believe this is a league that had some goals, Connor. Talk us through it. It certainly did. Um, do you have a preference where I start? I want three headlines from you. Uh, well, another one for St Mirren. Right, talk. It's another one for St Mirren. No, they, they did well. I mean, I think there was a lot of controversy in that game. I think um, Declan McManus was brought down in the box by Gary McKenzie on the 95th minute. Um, I watched it again this morning. Uh, and... Uh, probably was a penalty, to be fair. Um, but... It's one of those ones in the 95th minute of a game, you know, the referee needs to be absolutely certain. Um, and that's obviously a home game versus St Marin. They're on the, the verge of 1-1-0, of but the Wraith players were furious. I mean, I've never seen, you know, I don't know, I think there's been three or four of them booked really? um, for their protests, you know. And Guy Locke said the same, he stayed off the park. I'm assuming he spoke to the referee came off it, but he says, you know, he says, Without even passing comment on the situation itself, he says, when I've got my team as angry as that, I've never seen a team as angry as it says, there's something in it, you know. But <coughs> overall, I mean, that's massive for someone, you know, two wins in the space of however many days. It can transform a season. Okay, they're still bottom, but... There's only four points in it now. Yeah. Um, and if they just keep us going... Not even winning every game, but as long as they continue to pick up points, there's still so long to go that you know they, they should, yeah. should be fine. I just uh, it's easy to say with hindsight now, but I just I think it was just completely over dramatised. I, I know they hadn't won a game in their, their first 14, and I know that makes easy copy to say that, but I think to write them off as, as 10th place when people were saying that they're going to be relegated in that straight away uh, no and they were already down was, was nonsense. No matter what you say. St Mirren and League One just don't seem to fit in the same sentence. No. You know, St Mirren and Brecon, St Mirren and um, Stennis Muir. Like, no disrespect to these clubs because they're well-running, decent clubs, but St Mirren just aren't in the same mould as that. Unless, and I know people say, oh, well, Dunfermline, but Dunfermline are down there because of their financial difficulties and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Livingston, I know, but... Livingston and St Mirren even to me is no comparison I, I know I know what you mean in terms of that the one thing I would see as the last five years have, have told us that there is no such saying it's too big to go down Dundee United Hibs Hearts all playing in, in the second tier due to, to football and ability all relegate well Hearts 
slightly, maybe not, but in terms of uh, actually not performing on the pitch, it shows that there isn't such a thing as too good to go down. So mm. I think St Marin do need to do it on their own me- on their own kind of merits in terms of getting the results on the park. They can't just rely off the the name of being too big for League One, which I think they would be. But you know what I mean. They need to get the points to the board. Right. I think they'll be absolutely fine. I, I could see them. Uh, I could see them finishing about kind of sixth or seventh. Actually, I think Queen of the South, who got a good result at your place, maybe you're just coming on to that now. They're only nine ahead of St. Mirren, so that says quite a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think they will be fine. Second um, headline. Second headline. It's probably as you were at the top of the league, both sides winning, not by massive margins, and by all accounts, Aberdeen did have to grind it out somewhat against them. Barton they still managed two goals. Um, I think now looking for them and big attentions now on January. Uh, it's a lot of talk about who they're going to bring in and all that sort of thing. Dundee United, six minutes in, I think Tope Obadai scored for them against the United, so that put them on their way, but I don't know how tense that got towards the end. I've not seen, managed to see anything back from that Let's yet. Let's ask but. someone that was there then. Yeah, um, Air definitely deserves something out of the game, 100%. I think there was... 16 corners in the match and 14 yeah. of them were for air. That was the ex- exact point. I was chatting to a guy in my work on Saturday who's a big air fan. The exact point he made was um, the, the corner count, that exact mm. point. The only thing I would say is, let's like say Dundee United's goal was, I think it was actually came from an air corner, ironically, in the sixth minute. And I think Harkins I, had a chance, didn't he? Just before it, and then they ran up the park. Yeah, Obadai on the break. It must have been a really good goal. For the sound of things in the radio, it was a really good goal. Yeah, it was a counter-attack from Obadai. He, sort of, he never really had control of the ball, but he ended up bundling his way through and round the keeper. Uh, pretty tidy finish. But from that moment on, Ayr just bombarded Dundee United. Um, the big French centre-half for United was was very, very good. Um, defensively, they, didn't look, they never really looked like they were going to concede, despite the fact that they... Were being just crosses were just coming at them for the entire match, but air air to me it was similar to Falkirk um, down at Somerset. They're just they were so one dimensional. The only real threat they have is from corners and balls into the box, and that just against teams like Falkirk United, Hibs, it's not gonna win you win you points in matches. And I think despite the fact that they do, I think it's probably fair to say. Falkirk probably deserved to win that match if Ayr had a bit more creativity in the midfield Falkirk might not have won that match I think that the, it was pretty similar yesterday I do think Ayr have got enough to stay in the division because if they play like that against Dumbarton if they play like that against Wraith, Morton I think they will pick up points and win matches but it's just a matter of whether they can keep this level of performance up when they play teams around them in the league yeah only two points from their last six matches in the league mm. Air United they had a cup <coughs> defeat at St Mirren as well so not a great time for Ian McCall's side um, but as Connor says as you were at the top Hibs 34 Dundee United 34 and that leaves I think the Morton game <laughs> and <coughs> sorry <coughs> Falkirk's to all draw with Queen of South. I need a headline though. What's the headline for that? Well, it's kind of as you were again in that no, kind of middle group. Oh, <laughs> he's classing Falkirk as the middle group now. What? Give us a headline. What? Give us a headline. I don't know what the, I don't know what the Falkirk headline is. Falkirk not title challengers. Yes, there's your, that's the kind of stuff I'm after. I want statements. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to. Um, 
I think uh, Maherlin would have been first point for Gary Naismith as Queen of the South manager. Oh. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think he was, he was definitely talk, talking about spin. going into the club and changing a few things. I heard an interview with him. He wanted to make them a little bit more professional. Did you notice a difference under Naismith to, to previous regime? I, I didn't, to be fair. Um, and that's not, a, that's not anything because I've seen Queen of the South... Um, the only time I've seen Queen of the South this season was when they were at the rest. Um, I've seen them three games in the season after they won the first two and then they won that game. So um, I've st- I still seen them as, as slightly below what I've seen them that day. Um, but what you can see is that they will be a very solid team. They, I'm not going to say won't concede many goals because they did concede obviously two on Saturday still. Um, the one thing it did totally, totally shine out though and it was a point I made last week, they are very much um, relying on Stephen Doby. But you can't argue with the quality. I mean, the, the first goal, <laughs> he, he ran from midfield, through, played a 1-2 with Derek Lyle and just curled it in the bottom corner. Um, that was a goal of quality. The second goal was very much, you know, avoidable for, for Falkirk's point of view. It was a cross in the box, Derek Lyle heads it in. Um, you know, for Falkirk, that's a game that they're wanting to win at home. Um, it wasn't any major disaster in terms of league position because obviously Morton and Wraith both got beat. Um, but I think, you know, Peter Houston after the game did kind of say that, um, you know, the last couple of games, getting a point against Queen of South, beating St. Minim with 10 men, but it wasn't happy the first half problems that week. And, uh, I think he's looking now to try and get the team on a bit of a run. You know, there's two back-to-back away games coming up against Dumbarton and Dunfermline. They're pretty crucial for me before we go and play Hibs and Hugmanay, which will be uh, a cracker, no doubt. They always are. So, no, a big kind of couple of weeks coming up um, for Falkirk. Um, and actually all the teams down there, because this is definitely, more so than any other league, I think the Championship is kind of shaped at this time of the year. Hmm. Final game also you kind of touched on there was Dunfermline 2, Greenock Morton 1. A big victory for Dunfermline there. They are 7th place now, ahead of Air United after that victory on Saturday. The bottom bottom 5 in that order is Queen of the South, Dunfermline, Air United, Dumbarton and St Mirren still at the bottom. But with a little bit more hope now, League 2, I'm giving you one headline Johnny and you know where it's going. League two, League one, League one. Um, oh, I don't know. Such a difficult choice. Uh, I'll take the Steny game. What happened there? Fantastic five or something like that. I, I just I can't really believe it. You know, Mark Wilson <coughs> comes in at Airdrie and wins five games in a row. Yeah, they, they certainly five or six anyway, and he comes up against bottom of the table Stenhouse Smear, albeit. I don't think I think Stenny hadn't played in the league in three weeks because they had that um, double header mm. with 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 Forrest, where Forrest have obviously passed on millions of pounds worth of wisdom to yes. them, and they've gone and beaten Airdrie five nothing. But I was at the <coughs> the second leg against against Forrest, uh, the replay, should I say, and the the players seem to be. I remember being surprised after the game when Brown Ferguson was like, yeah, I've been really, really happy with how we've played in both legs. 
including the 2-2 draw in Forest. And I was like, well, that's surely not a great result for you. And Colin McMenamin, McMenamin comes out and says exactly the same. Mm. How he was really proud of how they played in Forest and he thought they were sticking together and it's the first time they've really seen a team there. Uh, so it's, I didn't really get that. And then they went away to Dublin on their Christmas night out after that game and Lewis was at the... Um, Lewis Kemp was at the game on Saturday and says that Colin, Mc, I think, Brown Ferguson, someone, the player that he interviewed said that um, they, that had had a huge impact on them as well. So it seems that things are looking a, a wee bit up for mm. for Stennis. You know, they're still four points behind Stranraer at yeah, the bottom because I think East Fife went and won without Naismith at Brecon. So um, it's, when you think about it, they could have been seven points behind, so that's a huge win for them. Yeah, they're, they're four points behind Strunrar with a game in hand. It's a massive victory for them. Airdrie second in the league uh, after that. It was six wins in a row. I think four mm. of them in the league anyway under Mark Wilson. So they've uh, a bit of a kind of back down to the earth ground with a thud type saying thing for Airdrie there. Um, but a fantastic day for St. Muir. Our team of the week this week, rightly so. I think they only got like 36, 37% of the vote, but... Should have been 100%, to be honest. There's no arguments. I don't think they were the, the team of the week. Elsewhere in League One, um, Peterhead won, Alawa won, Queen's Park got victory over Albion Rovers 2-1, Stranraer won, Livingston 2. I think Livingston scored kind of late on there to win that game again. And Brecon City nil, East Fife won. That was the, the televised game with the, the wonderful um, dressing up of the East Fife fans. Just the... <laughs> The best video ever I've ever seen. I was in stitches when I looked at that. That was really good. <laughs> uh, that was that was your League One lot. League Two, um, headline wise, Callum Fisher, Clyde Burston McCutton, two one Montrose, six yeah. nil mm. Elgin. Was Edinburgh City winning again? It's a tough mm. place for headlines. League Two, four for top of the league, getting beaten. The is that Angus Derby? Is four for an Angus? You're asking the wrong person. I, th- I think it might be. Mm. Um, Four for Arsenal close. top. They're, they're two points clear. They've played two games fewer than Elgin City as well. That win from Arbroath means that they are four points behind and they have uh, a game in hand on Elgin ahead of them. They're two behind Elgin with a game in hand. Four behind Four for having played a game more. So complicated, that league. Edinburgh City are up to seventh. <laughs> uh, still in Albion, bottom of the table. Connor and I's pick to actually win the whole league. They're up open 15 points off the pace. And as I say, they've only won three of their 15 games this season, which is pretty incredible. I expect them to be doing much better than that. The other game we've not touched on was Annan Athletic 2, Cowdenbeath 0. Cowdenbeath 8th place. And I'm starting to actually wonder if they may be going even a bit lower than that as the season goes on. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out. They've got a young manager there, though. And I'm sure they've got a, a lot of pressure on them now. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere else you want to go, guys? What in terms of just FIPA? Um Dunno, I'm quite looking forward to the uh Forest Mechanics game this weekend against Bucky. Um my return back to the Highlands. Of course yeah, this will be my away. last podcast. Yeah, we'll have to Sadly. see our Christmas stuff. You'll be missing the, the yeah. Christmas um festive spirit the festive podcast that we're on next week you will miss that unfortunately mm. got a few questions in uh, from the guys we'll just go through it briefly um we've got brian mcgonagall now he's got quick question 
And then I don't really see a question after this, Brian, but we'll read it out anyway. Quick question. I was at Fur Park Saturday and I reckon we could still be playing just now and it would be nil-nil. Is that a question? Or That's what I'm saying. I don't think it is, but... It's more a statement. Yeah, it's obviously, we're just backing up everything, Brian, that we, we've said in this show, that it was just a just a real dull weekend. It's probably, in hindsight, probably should have just not done a podcast this week because it was <laughs> there wasn't a hell of a lot to, to talk about in the Premiership anyway on Saturday. Aidan Tracy asking, where the hell did Stenny's win come from? No I've idea. Abs- I've, I've, Dublin, I think, from that Christmas <laughs> night out, from, from what, what I've What, they already been? Yeah, they went after the Forest game. Did they? Right. So the spirits were high into the Scottish Cup, St Johnson away. They're all excited. They've gone and got smashed in Dublin, and now they're the best team in, in the world. Thanks to two dreadful back... Sorry, I've read the wrong bit there. Morton Bubble finally burst. Thanks to two dreadful back passes. Bounce back ability, question mark, Connor. Do Morton have it? I think that you know, there's a team who is um, a very solid and good you know, championship outfit, um, but they'll be hoping to finish fourth. Is that not where they are just now in the league? So you know they'll not be too worried. Um, they've shown they've got players that can play and uh, and score goals. Um, and I think if you were, I know we're not quite at that stage yet, but I would say the half season review for Morton has been pretty. Pretty good so far, you know. National Cup semi final and fourth in the league. I think if you'd offered them that at this stage at the start of the season, um, I'm wanting to bite your hand off for that. So, uh, no, I don't think it's quite ready or quite time to push the panic button yet. Steve McLeod, why can't Rafe score, Callum? Because Gary Locke's in charge and he'll be gone by February. And Sam Arbuckle's also put, is this a wind-up? And I've not read this yet and the computer isn't zooming in at all, so just let me strain my eyes. It's a Rangers email to season it says dear season ticket holder I'm really going to struggle here Follow, following detailed inspections of the Ibrox roof and main structural joints we have issued this health and safety announcement for the well-being on of our match day attendees we ask that fans please refrain from doing the bouncy with such times you're advised to safe to do so. We understand this is disappointing, however, we hope to have the issue resolved by no later than the 1st of February 2017. So the bouncy's been banned from... No, that, that's absolutely true. I actually, I'll tell you what it is. I got an email through the, with those words that's been sent to all season ticket holders and we've commissioned a, a review panel of um, Phil McThree, McGola, whatever his name is, um, Matthew Leslie, Angela Haggerty, and that SMP MP um, that retwe- retweeted his blog, and they're going to sort out uh, the Ibrox roof for the Old Firm game. So Celtic fans have already taken the initiative by, I believe, wearing hard hats to the game. So I'm completely lost. About. I'm completely lost. Have you not seen all this you've stuff? Just, you know, you've just went on a random rant that I don't think anybody understands. Have you, uh, no, genuinely, have you not no, seen this stuff? no. None of that. You've completely missed this. See, your you faces went purple <laughs> as you were saying that. It's because I'm warm here. Um, have you not seen any of this? No. Like the the thing about Celtic fans wearing hard hats. To I saw something earlier, but it didn't. I didn't and then wash me. The, there was a whole thing last night about uh, the SMP MP John Dorman, like retweeted a blog, like it was the Celtic blog or whatever it's called about um, safety concerns about the roof and he put if this is true then like we need to look into it or something is it true? no 
Right, okay. Oh, I, when I was at Ibrox, remember, there was a, <clears throat> a plank of wood covering a hole in the back of the ground mm. um, against Mother. Was about, it was about a decade ago, but it was still, uh, yeah, it was pretty concerning. And obviously that... Um, that light fell down last year in a game, oh, didn't it? Light, it was a strip panel from the oh, top that was coming right. off. It right, a, light. A, strip, <laughs> a strip panel fell off. But well, if a light fell off of a stand, I think there might have been more made. No, of no, it. no, but it was just a bit <sighs> hanging off, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it is technically falling down, I think. Slow. Lewis Kemp, a stadium <laughs> will fall. <laughs> I'm going to just imagine him just sitting at home, just nodding like that. Disagree. A stadium will fall. A stadium will fall. Mm. We're going to finish on that note, guys. Thank you very much, Connor Park, Johnny Clark, and Callum Fisher for joining me, Hamish Carton. It's been a slightly better show, um, but not much to talk about the weekend other than the wonderful Stenhouse Muir. And finally, before we go, in world football, congratulations to Cristiano Ronaldo, who has been named the winner of the Ballon d'Or for 2016. There's a Has bit he? of news for you. Jamie yes. Vardy came eighth. Andrea Mares came seventh. They were ahead of uh, Pogba and Ibrahimovic. <coughs> That's Leicester for you. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>